Well, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Reitz. I'm so glad that you are joining us today. As you may remember, this podcast exists because we believe words matter, and we believe that healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and our leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one, on a team, from a stage, from behind a screen, we hope that our time together today will uh, inspire you, it will motivate you, will encourage you, we will challenge you to choose to communicate in uh, healthy ways. Because really when you do, uh, everything changes. Your world changes and your relationships drastically improve and your leadership just continues to grow. Well, today we are joined by just a fantastic guest who I've been looking forward to this interview for a while, but we're going to dive into this this idea of wisdom. So much of communication, when we communicate with our voice, when we communicate with our, our body, our gestures, we communicate in written word. I mean, it has to come from a place of wisdom. And it's just one of the qualities that we know when we see it. So we, we meet a leader that we've revered for a long time and minutes were drawn to them because we've, we can just feel their wisdom. There's just something about the way they listen, they ask questions, uh, they give the most amazing advice, their thoughts. And so wisdom is also something that can provide uh, so much growth for our leadership, our communication, for our daily living. But how do we get wisdom? Uh, are there some people that are given more wisdom than others? Is wisdom earned? How do we find out more about it? Uh, and then how do we communicate all of those things? And so today, I'm so excited. We have Mark Matlock joining us, and we're diving into how to unlock some of these, the, the, this path towards wisdom. So Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the Speak With People podcast today. Uh, Jason, so good to be with you today. Well, I've looked forward to this interview for a while. I've I've known you from afar for many, many years, appreciated your leadership in my life just through your writing and your speaking. And so this is just an honor to have you. I could go on and on about who you are, but why don't you you know, give our listeners just a little bit uh, of your story, who you are, what you do, family, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'll start with family, the important details. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Jade, for 30 years. Wow. And um, we just celebrated that last December in uh, 2022. That was a pretty exciting milestone. We have two children that both live in New York, um, and uh, they're artists uh, bent toward the arts, I should say. So my daughter was a fashion design major at uh, Parsons School of Design and um, is currently a stylist for the Varvados Clothing Company. And my... Um, son is working his way up in the film business. Wow. So he's just, yeah, he's on set doing the things you do to pay your dues and make your connections. And I think he has aspirations to, to write and direct, but they're off my payroll and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> well, congrats on that. <laughs> yeah. But vocationally, I actually, I live in Dallas, but I work in New York, grew up in California and, <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I'm, a I, I do two things. I'm the uh, principal founder of Wisdom Works LLC, a consulting firm. And one of my clients recently asked me to be their interim CEO, movement.org, uh, which runs city gospel movements all over the globe, bringing together the Christian community to do good in the city. And um, I uh, uh, am now the CEO full-time in that organization. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And like we were talking off off camera, uh, your <laughs> travels just took you to uh, pretty incredible places like Dubai. <laughs> yeah, I've been to Dubai, Singapore, getting ready to head to Sao Paulo, Brazil, 
uh, where we're just meeting with people that are activating these networks of city change everywhere uh, across the globe. It's really pretty exciting. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah, I went to, to Movement's website and did some research and looked into it. It's just, it's just so powerful, especially what's happening. So, Yeah, yeah. We've been been in New York for our uh, getting ready to celebrate 40 years working in New York and some really, really incredible stories and history and all of that. But um, so much of what I enjoy doing is just helping organizations and people, uh, you know, live into leverage their wisdom to, uh, you know, use their talents, gifts, and abilities, help other people. The way that I got started here in New York was we were bringing leaders together across the city and just saying, how do we leverage the collective wisdom in the room to be able to do something good to make a difference in the people's lives of New York? So that's kind of a little bit of, you know, wisdom has been a thread throughout everything that I've done pretty much. Wow. Well, especially as a communicator, it's so important uh, when we dive into this idea of wisdom. How would you just, you know, help our listeners? How would you define wisdom? Give us a starting place for that. Yeah, it's a great question, isn't it? Because we know, like you said in the opening, you know, we know when we see it, but how do you define what that quality is um, in somebody? Because it's funny because a lot of the people that like, you know, are heroes in our lives aren't always the wisest people for, you know, well, celebrities, things like that, uh, popular people, but the people that we go to or turn to when we need some direction, guidance, that's, you know, where we see those qualities of wisdom. And, um, I, I have a couple definitions. One of them I get from the Bible, which is the Hebrew word hokma, which literally means skill at, um, uh, skilled person, skill or expertise. And in the, the context of scripture, it usually applies to skill or expertise at living life well. So, you know, you could have somebody who's a PhD in marriage studies, or you can have somebody who's, you know, been married for 50 plus years happily. Right. Who would you want to get advice from? You know? Right. They both, you know, one might have an intellectual knowledge and awareness of, but the other person has demonstrated practice in making this work. And so they, they both offer, you know, really different things. But what interests uh, so, so that's one one way to look at it. Yep. Neurobiologically, we're starting to learn some things about wisdom, and this idea that wisdom is a form of pattern recognition. So wise people are able to recognize patterns, which is why they they make good decisions, why they live well, why they're able to give good advice, is because they they analyze all of these patterns in the story that you're telling them, or the situation, or the questions that they ask. And then they look at that and they identify that those things, right? And we're starting to find as they're doing neuroanatomy that wisdom is stored differently in the brain huh. than actual data. So somebody, and they're they're finding this in people who um, have had brain damage where they might lose in, information. They can't remember where they were born or even what their name is. Uh, they may not be able to recognize their spouse and people close to them yet they're still able to operate uh, and make decisions in life. And what they found is that, and this guy out of NYU actually, not too far from where I'm at right now, uh, El Cajon and Goldberg, he he said that wisdom is stored in kind of like networks, whereas data is stored kind of locally in the brain. So 
And this is that difference between pattern recognition and knowledge. So when the brain's damaged, you actually lose a part of the brain that has stores information, but patterns, because they're net, they're part of neural networks, they can actually network around the specific knowledge of the brain. So, um, he wrote a book called the wisdom paradox that kind of explored that. So you've got this skill or expertise at living life. You've got this, this really practical biological definition that it might have something to do with some kind of pattern recognition in our brain. And, you know, um, so when you think about it, that's why age and wisdom are kind of maybe related because mm. the more patterns you've been able to collect and the more that you've been able to reflect on those things, that would mean that the more, you know, ability you'd be able to, to see, to apply that to your, uh, to your application of knowledge. And then I've kind of come up with my own definition because as a Christian, um, i you know, have a lot of confidence in the Bible for helping me guide my life. And the book of Proverbs is a collection of wisdom. Mm. And if you think about it now through the neurobiology, right, uh, it's a collection of patterns. And so these patterns that Proverbs have, if I learn them, understand them, know them, perhaps they're a way for helping me navigate and live life better. And so, um, you start realizing that if God made us, made the hardware, he's also given us the software to kind of activate that in our lives. And that's how I choose to see it. And um, so I, I've, I define wisdom for myself as the human capacity to understand life from God's perspective. Wow. And um, the reason I say the human capacity is because the one thing about Jewish wisdom systems compared to some of the other, you know, world wisdom systems that are out there is that it's very strong on the limits of man's knowledge, that there is not everything available to humankind to understand and know. Hmm. So science can only get us so far, basically, is what that would be saying. And even uh, the scriptures can get us so far. There is certain knowledge that is reserved that is too wonderful for us as human beings to absorb or, or, or um, understand or comprehend. And so there's a limit to what we know. So it's the human capacity to understand or perceive life from God's point of view. That's kind of how I define that. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. So, I mean, so many people are on this journey, you know, in life to become a better leader or to lose weight or run a marathon or write a book or, you know, those, those kind of things. I remember reading on very lane, you know, be wiser, <laughs> right? Right. So, like, where, when, when did it Which hit you? He's not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not getting many Facebook me. likes. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to write a, I wanted to, wanted to write a book about wisdom, and they were like, "Well, wisdom's not really a sexy topic," and it really is true, <laughs> you know. Uh, right, but at the same time, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, "Hey." Today would be an excellent day to ruin my life, right? <laughs> and yet it happens to people all the time. And usually you can trace it back to a failure in applying wisdom to life. And that wisdom uh, failure in a small thing uh, leads to a, a major systems failure in our life. And boom, right. all of a sudden, what, how did I get here? And so wisdom helps us uh, uh, as a preventative but it's not, it's not real sexy. What? 
Was there something that that clicked in you or something that happened that kind of started you on this journey, you know, as you kind of dove into, you know, thinking more about the trans transformational power of wisdom? Or was it just a collective of years that you went, wait a minute, I've got to I got to put more emphasis into this. So it actually started for me in 1996. And I was kind of just kind of looking at my life and assessing it and just wondering what is the unique contribution that I really have to make, you know, in the world? What, what is it that I can aspire to? And I was working with um, young people. You and I have a, a history in youth ministry, working with young people. And I was trying to understand, like, what am I really trying to help young people do, right? Like, obviously, as a Christian, I want them to know the teaching of Jesus and follow after him. But what am I really trying to do with young people? There's a, a passage, Luke 2.52, that kind of explains the gap between Jesus as a child and Jesus as a, you know, an adult. And it's, um, you know, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Right. I understood the favor with God and men part. I understood the stature part, the physically he was going through changes, but the wisdom part, what did he grow in wisdom? And I'm like, if I'm supposed to be following in Jesus and Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and men, what is wisdom? And that kind of got me trying to figure that out. Cause I realized I'm trying to help young people navigate the transition from being a child to an adult. So I created an, uh, the nonprofit Wisdom Works to try and figure out how to accelerate the acquisition of wisdom in teenagers. Wow. And that kind of began this, this pursuit of trying to understand what wisdom is and um, how it, it's it, you know how we um, how we develop it, how we grow it. it. Led me in some really interesting places. At that time, uh, in, in the mid '90s, there wasn't a lot of scholarly research on wisdom. Um, we were just starting to be able to do fMRIs. And so since then, there have been a lot of really interesting, you know, kind of intellectual endeavors to try and understand wisdom as a science, but then also looking at, you know, the biblical context of wisdom as well and, uh, and understanding that. So, um, that's kind of what got me into all of it. Uh, yeah. And, just going, can I, you know, the Bible says, you know, kind of implies that if you're a young person by living according to God's word, you can become wiser than right. your elders, right? Psalm 119. And, um, and I'm like, well, if that's true, then there's a way that you can accelerate acquiring wisdom. And right. I took all the Proverbs, wrote them on index cards individually, all the couplets, and then I started sorting them into piles, trying to find the patterns. I didn't quite understand pattern recognition at that point as a, a means to wisdom that came a little bit later, but I was trying to find those things. And I, I came up with kind of three piles that I could put every proverb into, um, at least once. And then I came up with seven kind of more specific piles. And that kind of became for me a compass Yeah, for, you know, how I was measuring where I was strong and weak in wisdom. And, um, and also being able to be intentional about where I needed to acquire it. Wow. That's fun. I mean, just, I mean, you, you know, you think back to your teenage years and, 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 you know, if we, if we could all go back in time, we're like, oh, if we could just accelerate the wisdom, 
You know, if I didn't waste so many of those years, I had all the energy, all the energy in the world. Uh, I just love that. So where, where does wisdom primarily come from? Is it, you know, pain? Is it life experience? Is it, you know, asking questions? Is it, you know, kind of walk us through that. Yeah, I always kind of talk about it as there's like the easy way to get wisdom and then there's the hard way to get wisdom. <laughs> and I think all of us do it in a combination of ways. The easy way is to to steal somebody else's pain uh, from their hard wall learning it, right? Yeah. And um, the hard wall learning wisdom is saying, hey, I wonder what that glowing, you know, uh, flickering object is. I'll stick my hand in it. And it's like, oh, that's a fire, you know, burn me. I, yeah. I won't do that again. Um, the 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 easy way is having somebody say, "Hey, that that will burn you, and it's going to hurt really bad. Don't touch it." Right. Right. And you just embrace that and adopt. Right. It. Somehow there's a there's a you know a middle point in that. But I think the best way that I find to learn wisdom, and this is really what was powerful in working with young people, was to have a mediator, kind of a. a a mediated wisdom guide, so to speak, somebody who stood between you and the world around you and helped you make sense of it. Wow. And so it may not be just saying, Hey, that fire is hot, but they might take your hand and hold it really close to the fire. Yeah. Oh, you almost feel uncomfortable. And now you haven't been hurt, but you've been, um, You've learned something. And what you've also learned in the process is how to test something. Right. So now I've gotten a lot more. I've got a lot more from my in, from my uh, mediator, my mediated wisdom guide, than, uh, than I have just learning fire is hot. I've learned how to test things. I've learned how to approach things. Now when I meet a strange animal, I might approach it cautiously to find out if it's friend or foe rather than just you know, going and approaching it or avoiding it because I've learned how to test things. Yeah. Um, so there's, there, you know, having somebody to help us do that helps us accelerate the acquisition of wisdom in our lives. So having that, that person, they come in the forms of mentors, parents, teachers, all kinds of different things. But I find for myself, when I'm working with a young person, thinking about my job as helping them develop wisdom is really important. And that means also trying to understand what do they what do they know wrongly right now? So what are the gaps? What are the wrong models that they've constructed wow. of the world around them? And how do I, you know, disassemble them and, and rebuild them in a way that goes into their bones, not just uh in their heads. Wow. Wow, that's that's powerful. I, I heard uh, John a John Acuff say once you know, having a coach or, you know, some type of a mentor or something like that is like getting a time machine because you're able to, you know, fast forward sometimes, you know, you can learn from them, you know, boy, here's the path that I went. Ooh, stay away from that path. You know, those kind of things. Do you yeah. have any advice for leaders who are, you know, trying to find that, that person, that coach, that mentor, that mediator, you know, who, who, who what, what should we look for in that? Yeah. Well, um, I think it's, it, you, one of the first qualities has to be that this is somebody that you aspire to be, right? If there's nothing that you admire about the way this person is living their life, they're not going to help you get where you want to go. Um, now I know that 
you know, the research shows that sometimes coaches that are trained in coaching can actually bring out qualities in you better than people that are subject matter experts. So that doesn't, you know, I don't want to discount coaching at all generically, but I found that finding natural mentors is usually somebody that you're regularly coming into contact with Yep, um, is, you know, is a, a better way to go, but find that person that you that have qualities that you admire. That would be like the first thing that I'd look at. And then find somebody who, um, you know, has the ability to invest some time in you. Uh, one of the things I get asked a lot is, can you be my mentor? And that's like crossing the street and asking somebody, you know, <laughs> would you marry me? Um, you know, um, right. We need, we need to, we need to woo a mentor in the same way that we would, you know, woo a person that we were interested in, uh, you know, short, very easy ways to connect with them and to realize that you don't necessarily need somebody to like devote some extraordinary period of time to you either. Right. Um, in fact, it's a, it's almost a scaffolding of mentors that you're looking for in your life because you may have people that are that are different and could support you in different ways. So you're kind of building this this framework around you of support. Um, I have people that I have deep connections with in a formal mentoring relationship, maybe every uh, four years yep. that I'll engage them in that. And then I have people that I've paid to meet with them every week, you know, every month. Um, so, you know, find them in, in, a, in a wide variety of uh, things and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get the holism out of it. Yeah. You know, those, those buckets that I created that I, that I found discovered, I should say, I didn't create, I discovered can be helpful too. I found that wisdom has like three kind of like, like, uh, elemental components to it. There's wisdom that are insights that help you see something about life you didn't see before, maybe a cause and effect yep. relationship. There's values, knowing how to properly give worth to something. Because sometimes we've given our, our we've valued the wrong things and wisdom helps us properly align our values. Yep. And then the last thing are actually our, our practices, rhythms, things that we can actually do that, that help us. And so um, I find that wisdom kind of pings between those, those three things and as a mentor, I often try to figure out what's an insight that I can help this person with. What's a value shift that maybe they need to make? Yeah. Maybe what's a practice, a rhythm, or something that they need to incorporate in their life to uh, to achieve this. So that kind of helps me a little bit. But these this this these seven marks of a wise person are really helpful. In fact, if you're listening right now, just if you got a piece of paper or something, you just jot some numbers on, you know evaluate each one of these. So for me as a Christian, I believe that um, wisdom begins by trusting in God. So the first thing for me as a wise person trusts in God. So on a scale of, you know, one to 10, 10 being, wow, I don't think I could do much better than that. And one being, I'm really poor at this. How much do you trust in God? Not how much do you know about God? Right. Not how much do you, but how much do I just trust in God? The second thing is, um, meaningful relationships. Am I a wise person walks in, in helpful and healthy relationships? How healthy are the relationships around me? scale one to 10? A wise person seeks good counsel. 
Uh, my dad always told me, you don't have to have every answer. We just need to know where to find it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so do I have trusted sources of truth? Do I have people in my life uh, that I can go to and get good counsel? You know, for me as a Christian, that would be the Bible. Um, that would be spending time in prayer. That would be other believers that I go to church with. Um, the fourth thing is a wise person speaks carefully. So your podcast, listening to that would be a wise thing because, um, you know, the, the Bible talks about, um, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, you know, even a fool is thought wise if he remained silent. So, um, speaking carefully, a real important thing. How are you doing in that scale? One to 10, um, a wise person, um, exercises self-control. They're not volcanoes. They don't fling and swing back and forth. That this is one area I'm currently struggling in is um, I, I'm, I'm having some wild reactions to things in my life. And so I'm going, okay, what's going on? How, why, why am I, you know, hot, really hot one day and really cold the other day? You know, what, what's happening there? Um, what am I not regulating inside? What do I need to resolve to, to do that? And there's a lot of uh, help to get on that. Um, let's see, where are we at? We're number five. Uh, number six is a wise person manages uh, their resources. So, you know, the Bible talks about in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. If you're always living paycheck to paycheck, you're not going to have a very wise life. You've got to have some stuff in reserve that allows you to be generous. It also allows you not to be anxious. So all these things kind of interrelate. And then the last one is a culmination of all the ones before it. A wise person <clears throat> uh, experiences inner peace. Oh, yeah. So when you, um, so when one through six are kind of in place, that sixth thing kind of works. And it's interesting is in the Proverbs, you know, there's a lot of, there's a form where it lists, there's a list of things. And then the last thing is the sum of it all. Right. So I like that seven things kind of stick out this way. That, um, that if you're doing all of these things, if you're trusting in God, you're walking in healthy relationships, you're seeking good counsel, you're speaking carefully, you're exercising self-control, you're managing your resources, then ultimately you will live in peace. And when you think about a wise person, they are not rattled by the external world and what changes because they have inner resolve. And ultimately, wisdom gives you that inner resolve. So as you're looking for those mentors, look for those people who have that inner resolve. Look for those people who, even though the world may be falling down around them, they're not frozen or paralyzed, right? but they're, they're, but they're just ex experience inner peace. You know, um, in the scriptures, the apostle Paul says, you know, I've learned uh, to be content in all things, whether a slave, whether free, whether in prison, out of prison, whether rich, whether poor. And he says he's learned to be content. And so as we learn to be wise, that inner peace, that contentment uh, becomes the anchor and bedrock of our life. And let's face it, we're all jealous of that person who doesn't seem to be too concerned about anything around them. It's right. like, how do you have that strength, that hitter strength? Yep. And that can be manufactured as a false self but what we're talking about is the real, the real deal. Right.
Wow, that is uh, rich and absolute gold. Uh, and I know we'll speak to so many. As our time kind of winds down here, uh, it dawned on me, you know, especially in my life, you know, um, I- I've always thought of wisdom through the filter of from my faith community because I've grown up in faith community and church. And so, you know, for folks outside of the faith, faith community, you know, where does you know, wisdom fall into that. Do they, you know, view it differently? Is it just something that comes through time? You know, they may not recognize, you know, God and, and you know, his wisdom and those kind of things. Uh, you know, any thoughts on that as, as you think of processing? Well, you know? yeah, I think it's a really important distinction to make. And, and, and actually the Bible speaks to this too, right? In the book of James, it talks about their wisdom that comes from above and wisdom that comes from the earth. And the wisdom that comes from above comes from the heavens. The wisdom of the earth comes from, you know, and, and what's interesting is there are, there are wisdom systems, skills of living a life, patterns of living that will get you ahead in life. Right. Right. Um, but they may not give you what you're really looking for. And I think you have to, to look, look at very carefully and, and look at where you're getting satisfaction from. So for instance, I was reading, um, the book by a former president, um, uh, called think big and kick ass, uh, <laughs> by uh, president Trump before he was the president. And he's giving his kind of advice for getting rich and staying wealthy. And when it came to relationships, you know, he said, you should have a prenup. You know, um, and that, you know, nobody plans on falling out of love when they're in love, but you ought to get a prenup and all this. Now, um, Donald Trump has, you know, been married several times, um, appears to have good relationships with the people that, uh, he's divorced, uh, and, uh, and all that. Um, and maybe the prenup was an important part of that, having a clear understanding up front about what's going to happen if this relationship ends, I don't know, but ultimately I don't want to prepare for a divorce. I want to prepare to stay married till the bitter end. Right. And I want not just because we stuck it out. Right. I want to experience the deeper intimacies of life with my wife and my spouse so that I like, I don't want to give up on this journey with my wife right now. We're 30 years in and we love each other more deeply and insanely than we did when we first got married. Yep. And I'm like going, if, if, if this can happen, how much greater will another 20 years bring us in this marriage? And I can tell you the planning and escape path on the front end was not part of it. Right. Because, uh, you know, it was making a covenant with one another, an agreement, not for what would happen when it didn't work, but a covenant that says, no matter what we are sticking together and these not just being vows, but these being like, you know, deeply held beliefs that we don't give up in this. Yeah. And there have been times when we wanted to give up and we stuck it out. And that was the thing that took us to that deeper yeah. place of intimacy. And so, you know, so we, we have to be really careful who our sources of wisdom are and what they're founded upon. Are they solid rock? that's going to ultimately get us where we want to go or do they get us some things at the expense of others? And I think that's really important. Um, 
because I, I think that the wisdom that was shared in that book uh, could definitely help me get rich and stay rich if I applied it. But I also think that there might be some things that I didn't experience in life right. by falling in. So we have to be really careful about our sources of wisdom and what we uh, what we trust in. Wow. That's just incredible. So last question as we kind of wrap up, as we think about, you know, especially as we communicate, I mean, communication is just a necessity for leaders. I mean, we we communicate with the people around us, we're casting vision, we're, you know, doing all those kind of things. How can we make sure that, you know, we're consulting wisdom <laughs> before we communicate? You know, is there anything that we, you know, Put any practice that we can put into our life to be able to go, okay, hey, before I speak, boy, I should really, you know, ask myself this question or, you know, how can I consult wisdom on these things? It's a great question. I think, um, first of all, what I've learned, and this has been my barrier, I, I always tell people I was foolish enough to start an organization about wisdom. <laughs> you know, uh, the, I, I think what I've learned more and more is that I can't become wise if I'm not humble. Oh, my lack of humility is my main barrier toward growing in wisdom. And any time that I'm, I'm not wise, it's always my pride and my lack of humility. And I got lots of that. So I think just the act of stopping and saying, wait a minute, maybe I don't have the right answer. Maybe somebody else does that in the, that is the first powerful thing is just stopping and admitting yeah, I am not wise or I may not be wise or I may not have what I want. The second thing is asking us, what's my motivation? What is it that I'm really trying to accomplish here and getting clear about that? A lot of people act without thinking about why they're acting. And that's just a really great check. And then, um, usually another great little, just piece on coming wise is, uh, slow down. Yeah. Most foolishness comes from our inability to slow down yeah. and just sit with something for a while. We make an impulse decision. I mean, sometimes we have to act fast, but most of the time we really don't. Um, and I've, I've made some rules for myself because I love to, you know, impulse by just, you know, what? I'm going to wait a day before I make certain purchases or whatever amazing how the next day I don't even desire that thing. Right. And, yep. and that's just one example of one sphere, but that happens in a lot of things. Why do I, do I need to have this discussion or this argument today? Do I need to confront this today? Or can I wait just even in parenting? Right. Uh, you know what? I'm angry right now. Let me just take a moment to get out of that anger and yep. then address this with my child. Yep. So I don't paint myself in a corner that I can't get out of. So now my son or daughter has learned, oh, just wait, they'll, they'll rescind everything, you know, and with, then we don't make any progress in our parenting. So that, that, those would be three things that I'd, I'd recommend. One, stop and just be humble, yep. recognize you don't know it. Where could you find it? What's my motivation? And then do I need to make this decision as quickly? Those are three really quick little tools. There's lots, but yeah, those are absolutely fantastic. Well, Mark, I can't thank you enough for just the wisdom that you have uh, poured out today and just know this will help uh, many listeners. Before we let you go, I just thought we'd do some rapid fire questions. People can kind of keep getting to know you. Uh, but if you're 
a regular podcast listener? Is there one that, you know, is kind of your go-to or you're just, you're learning a lot from right now? Uh, podcast wise podcast. Yeah. You know, I spend more time being on podcasts than I do <laughs> listening to them. Uh, you know, um, so, uh, so that's kind of my, but I'm a, I'm a magician actually. And, um, and I listen to a lot of podcasts by magicians. Huh. Uh, and, um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that's where, if I do any podcasting, that's usually where it is. I love it. Is there a question number two? Is there I told uh, you what the names of them were? I'd have to kill you. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, uh, for any you know leaders out there uh, who are readers, is there a leadership go-to book that's like one of your like you recommend this book all the time to leaders looking to you know continue growing their leadership? Oh, you know there there are a couple that I you know read uh, a bit. Um, uh, I, I read almost every Patrick Lencioni book. Um, I, I, I read his stuff, uh, on a, like a cyclical basis. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, cause I'm always, I'm always falling short of, uh, of those insights. Um, and so I would say, uh, uh, that, uh, his, his work has been a huge source of, um, of inspiration to me on trust and developing that. But, uh, there, there are two books that are really, that are really kind of have, have shaped me uh, a bit over the last few years. One is, um, the ascent of a leader. Oh yeah. By Bill Thrall and, um, uh, Bill Bruce McNichol. Uh, those are both two men that are actual mentors in my life. And, um, and that, th that book was really, really powerful. And so I like to go back to that. Um, and then the other is uh, a book by um, uh, Robert Clinton called The Making of a Leader. Mm. It's an older book that was written in the 70s. I think they actually have a 25th anniversary version of it that I, I haven't read. But um, he talks about patterns in that book. And so when I read it, I clicked with it because he's, he's identified these patterns that leaders go through, these thresholds and tests. And even though the book, when I read it, because uh, I read the, I didn't read the revised version. I don't know how much it changed, but um, the language is a little dated, like a book that was written in 1970 something. But the principles were were very powerful and huh. they very good. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, last question. So, if you're, you know, faced with uh, lunchtime, and one side of the street is a Chick Fil A, the other side of the street is a Zaxby's. Which one are you? You were choosing. Oh man, that is really tough. <laughs> uh, well, I just had Chick Fil A uh, today for lunch, actually. So that tells you something. I've I've been missing it because my Chick Fil A is under renovation uh, uh, near me, so that they can uh, you know help more customers get to their chicken faster. Um, <laughs> but I actually am a really big fan fan of the Zaxi's uh, Kickin' Chicken Sandwich. I just don't have one by me. Ah. So I don't eat it that often, but if I did, um, I might, I might go for that kicking and chicken sandwich. Uh, it's pretty good. And the right. sauce. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty delicious. Well, as we let you go, uh, tell our listeners where they can find out more about you online and what's the best place to go to. You know, there's really not a great place to go to in all <laughs> honesty. Um, I, I'm a terrible blogger. Uh, I, I have a, I have a blog that I think has one post in it called the wisdom hacker. 
um, that's that. But I, I, I'm, I'm really pretty, pretty bad at that kind of stuff. The best thing to do is follow me on Facebook. That's where I do most of my interaction, and it's not a fan page. It's literally my, my Facebook profile, and I make all my posts public. So just follow me because I can't add any more friends right now. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Mark. For being on the podcast, this seriously, this was incredible, and I appreciate your time and the wisdom that you shared. So appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's fun to talk about this. I've been around a while. I love it. And thank you again to our listeners for being a part of the Speak with People podcast. Again, we're here because we ex- we believe that words matter, and healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and our leaderships. So we hope that our time today challenged you, challenged you. And don't forget, check out our website, speakwithpeople.com, especially the resource section. Uh, our, you can click on the, the podcast page, all of the podcasts that we have done, our blog. Every single week, there's a brand new blog post that uh, is written about different communication issues that you may be facing. Thanks again for being a valued part of this community. If you're not a part of the Speak With People Facebook group, please join that. Thanks for being a part of our online presence and just thanks for listening. So we'll see you next week and can't wait to talk more about healthy communication.